0: Hello everybody, this is Subrat from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show and today we have James Wilson with us, an accredited security therapist and certified life coach from the UK. After spending 10 years living in France, James relocated last year and he has also just released the first season of his podcast on being good enough. So without further delay, let's welcome James. James, welcome to the show.
1: Bra- hi everyone, it's great to
0: be here. Really looking forward to talking about my philosophy and how I work with you today. Wonderful. James, let's, why don't we begin with your journey first? Like what exactly inspired you to become a coach and where did you start your journey and how did you get started into this profession and how it's going on now?
1: So I started, it was a bit of a journey. I actually started after leaving education, did a few jobs and careers and I wasn't enthusiastic. I wasn't looking forward to going into the office on a daily basis and I knew I needed something else and just looking around for what would click with me. And I'd recognized that the helping professions was something I was really passionate about in a few different contexts in my personal life. I'd helped people and I'd loved the feeling of helping people. And i loved love to see those people making changes in their life. and. That was what kind of started that process for me. So I got into learning about it, educating myself, doing courses and starting that process. So it was really from a place of not being passionate and excited for the jobs I was doing, needing that, knowing that was something that was so vital for me and finding my way into the helping professions, firstly with therapy and then into coaching. So that's how we got into this industry. And how is going on now? Great. So now moved to the U.S. last year from Europe, starting my life coaching business, WMA Life Coaching. So it's been about continuing with my client base that I had built up in Europe and starting to break into the American market. So a lot of marketing, a lot of networking, meeting people, doing my podcast.
0: So there's emphasis on my day-to-day client work and then building up my, my practice there. And basically, mostly you are focusing on one-on-one coaching or you have other options like group coaching or any kind of online programs. Like if anyone gets wants to get coaching from you, then what are the options are available? Well, at the moment, it's the one-on-one coaching. That's where I put my primary focus. So i be
1: always happy to hear from people to understand their goals, to reach their goals. So that's the format I'm using currently. Would be looking to have experience with group work. So I'd like to move into that moving forward. But my initial focus is on what to work, getting to make those relationships and helping people, helping them strive in their lives.
0: Okay. 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 That's wonderful. And also like you are a therapist also, right? And right now you are focusing on the therapist part or you are completely into the coaching?
1: Here is my primary focus to build up that practice. There's an awful lot of synergy in the way that I work as a therapist and as a coach, because it starts with the same question. It starts with what's your goal? What's your goal of this work? How do you want things to be at the end of the process from how things are today? I use a documentary camera crew question. If there's a documentary camera crew following you around now. What would they film? What would they see? And then. In a few weeks, a few months time, what would you like that documentary camera to be filming you doing? So it starts Hmm. from a place of understanding the goals and what would that look like? And then from there, we get into understanding the barriers. That's the big thing. What's the barriers to change? Are they external barriers or internal barriers? So understanding that, uh, unpacking that, and then I implement my four-step change process. And again, this is mm. the same in therapy as in coaching. And I can go into those four steps if you'd like me Okay, please. Yes. So, so the four steps. Now, the first step is focus reset. So I mm. should say that my work is predicated on the two minds concept. So we have, so describe it, two minds. We have the rooted mind. And this is where our thoughts and feelings are created. And we don't have control over that part of the mind. But it's rooted in the past, rooted in experience, upbringing, culture, genetics, evolution. It's rooted in those things. But then we have the conscious mind. And this is where our our wisdom and our kindness and our logic and our values reside. So what we need to do and what I try and do in my process is get people's conscious mind in charge to make choices about how they act. So that they're taking actions in line with their values, not necessarily based on what the rooted mind is telling them because that's telling them stories, rightly or wrongly, it's telling them stories. And that can dictate how people act. We want to make sure the conscious mind is in charge, making choices and making choices in line with their values and that can move them towards their goals. Yeah. So that process is very similar and
0: works really well
1: in both cases.
0: Got it, got it. Okay. Okay. So since you have like tons of experience in the therapist, as well as right now, you are also focusing on the coaching things. Now, what do you think, what are the most important qualities when it comes to a successful coach needs to be purchased?
1: I think it's about being able to connect with people. Nothing can happen without that relationship. I think that's the most important quality building relationships because people need to trust you. They need to trust the process. And be willing, they can be skeptical of the process, but they need to trust it enough to give it a go. But that's about relationship building. So you can build that trusting relationship to then start to help someone make change. So I think it starts in being able to make connections with people. So once you've got that connection, that partnership change plays from there. So I think that that's the number one and most important thing, I think. Taking your ego out of the room too is important. I think remembering it's about your coach. It's about the client. This is about their journey. This is about their goals. And you're helping facilitate that. You can question and say, is that in line with your values? Is it workable? That's a big word for me. Workability is what we do, workable. So you can question that. But this is about their journey. And you're helping their journey. Putting your ego to one side, I think, is important as well. So those are two big ones for me. Yeah,
0: so basically what you are saying that uh, as a coach, you need to connect with your clients at their level, not your level. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, from language to to just how they are in the room, the virtual room or the the physical room, how they are, you want to connect with them on their level, absolutely. Because if you're talking at a level that's not theirs, they won't connect. Mm. You won't build that relationship. I've been so lucky to work, one of my... Issues is as an expat coach, because I've been an expat for the last 11, 12 years, and I've been with expat people. So people from all over the world, every continent on earth, aside from the two with mainly snow on. So I've had to understand and learn people's culture and how they view the world from a cultural perspective and things like that. So you need to get on their level. There's intellectual levels, there's cultural levels, there's gender levels. You want to get on that level. It's so important.
0: Got Correct, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, James, let's talk about some of your coaching processes. Like how do you approach working with clients if they are struggling to achieve their goal? I think it goes back to my process. Firstly, just
1: ensuring that we've got a goal and trying to break that goal down. There's an old saying, how do you eat an elephant one mouthful at a time? So you want to break the goal down. So you just start there. Have we got a realistic goal and a manageable goal? And then it comes back to barriers. Now, as I say, it could be external barriers, such as financial issues, family yeah. relationship issues, work, systemic issues, or it could be internal stuff. Again, the stories the rooted mind is telling us might yeah. be creating a barrier to succeeding. So we have yeah. to deal with those things. So again, it's, my thing is about empowering people to make conscious choices the best they can to reach their goals. And I use the word experiment with yeah. my clients. We have to make take experiments, make experiments, and that gives us outcome data. And did that experiment worked, Did it get us to, to your goal or further yeah. away or no different? And then we might need to change that experiment. So it starts with just reaffirming the goal, making sure that is a realistic and achievable goal, understanding the barriers, and then putting okay. in that change process. And I say that four-step change process, focus, reset, step one. Step yeah. two is self-compassion. Really important self-compassion. I always call it the oil in the machine, really, because it helps everything run smoothly. Without it, we're so busy beating ourselves up that we might, I'm not good enough or I'm a failure, something like that. Those internal messages can block us. We need that self-compassion to say it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to to be angry sometimes. So we have that step two, self-compassion. And then step three is rational, realistic, healthy health. How do we deal with this barrier, be it internal or external, in a rational, realistic way? For example, it could be internally, it could be just asking you a very simple question. Is it helpful to believe the story the reader's mind is telling you? so Mm. if it's telling you, you won't succeed, is it helpful to believe that story? It's a very simple question like that. And then if you didn't believe that story, what would you do? What action would you take? If you thought you could succeed, what action would you take? So we quickly change it back, move it into action. So again, we can take a, or encourage an actual action to be taken. Yeah. The, the, the barriers are often to do with inaction. So it's about getting people to act. So yeah. we use the reframing thing for that. And it can be practical things too. It can be problem solving, just yeah. asking simple question like what choices have you got? In terms of what actions you can take mm-hmm. within the context you find yourself in. So that's step three, reframing. And then we move on to step four, fourth and mm. final step of my change process, which is mindful valued living. I have the mirror test. So every day, can we look in the mirror and say, "I stand by how I've acted today. It was in line with my values." That's a really important question to us. Did it move me towards my goal? Mm. So that's how I do it. So it's three parts: yeah. reaffirm the goals, understand the barriers,
0: and then put into place the change process, the four-step change process, to help people move forward. Gary. Wonderful. Awesome. So how do you balance? Because you know what, uh, if I talk about the coaching, then being accountable for the clients, things is like particularly the most important part. And also as a coach, you have to have being compassionate and supportive enough, right? So how do you balance holding your clients accountable while also being compassionate enough and supportive?
1: I think holding a client accountable is itself supportive. I think that is part of the process. I think inherently, it's not about the one hour a week you spend together. It's about everything that happens outside. It's that, that's important. So saying you're accountable for your actions and what you do is inherently supportive and the compassion is just doing it in a compassionate way. But I think that it just is, it is supportive. So even for example, just yesterday I had a client and I've asked him to send me an email once he's done something. So I said, because accountability is so key So me yeah. and the email when you've done it, that is part of the support mechanism, because I don't want yeah. to have someone feel abandoned as soon as uh, our time is over, it is part of something bigger. Than so I think it's inherently compassionate and supportive to hold someone accountable. And that's the whole point of my work. I think that's the whole point of coaching more generally yeah. is to help people make change and, and accountability as part of that yeah. being accountable to yourself. To your coach to your family to your friends to your employer employees i think it's part of the process
0: got it james like basically you are a therapist and now you are a coach life coach right so what is the basic difference difference coach and therapist
1: i think with coaching it's more traditionally more forward-facing than traditional therapy now in my therapist role i would take a bit of history not too much but i would take a bit of history and therapy more broadly will maybe work in the history, work in the past, mm-hmm. or certainly have that focus to it. So I think that's a part of it, whereas coaching is forward-facing. Another key word I think is functioning. That people that go into coaching, coaches, are functioning at a level. So this is about going beyond that. Whereas people that come to therapy, maybe not functioning. when you might have risk issues or diagnosis issues. So the functioning thing. So I think it's those things, it's forward-facing, forward-thinking and functioning. Those are the things that the coaching does and I think therapy may not do. As I say, as a therapist, I'm about looking forward. I'm about the mm. for change. Absolutely. but mm. Traditionally, the past would be a big part of that.
0: Got it. Got it. Yes. Wonderful. Jim, I believe that you have tons of your clients' coaching success stories, but can you share only one? Of your coaching client success story and what do you believe contributed to your success? As so well as I, was, I uh,
1: we get these questions beforehand and I was thinking about that. And I had one in mind, and then just as I was walking into my office, another one pops into my mind. the G was the other one because it was it was a rugby player in Europe mm-hmm. and it was about his goals for his work as a player on the pitch. And it was a really interesting piece of work because it was understanding the goals very definite in terms Mm. of being a important member of the team and making a contribution. And some of the barriers, those were partly internal barriers. Some of the messages his rooted mind was telling him. So we had to reframe those messages and reframe how he interacted with his rooted mind. Again, Mm. if you didn't believe those messages, and this was imposter syndrome stuff, Mm. what actions would you take? And so we talked through some of those and then... As I said, my fourth and final step of the change process is mindful value living. And this was about mindfulness, actually. This was about staying mindful on the pitch. So hmm. he could, on the field, so he could be aware. Where is he in relation to his teammates? Where is he in relation to what So he could stay mindful and he could really be a functioning part of that team. And, and the success story was that they actually got promoted from their leagues. So they went up to the next league. And he was an important part of that team, and that was really exciting to work with a sports person about how they were on the sports field how they acted yeah, so that was something that came to mind as I was walking into the office I think
0: okay okay okay, wonderful okay so let's talk about some misconceptions that are revolving around coaching industry. what are some common misconceptions about coaching that you have noticed a lot?
1: it's such an interesting question that I think in my experience there aren't too many misconceptions that I hear in the room. I think if the most common one is probably about, I'll give you the answers. I think people sometimes think yeah. coaches will give you the answers and that's not what I do. I give you a framework, but yeah. the framework, the process is to help you find your answers. Yeah, you know, you yeah. know yourself best, I the know. context in which you'd live better than anyone else. I can provide process, but I don't necessarily provide the answers. I don't give advice, really. People will use that word, the A word advice, and it's, well, I can advise you to maybe how you make a choice, how you take mm. a choice, how you implement an action. But ultimately you're the one living your life. You have to pass your own mirror test. So I mm. can't be the one to tell you what to do, because that might not be in line with your values, or it might not be pertinent in the context in which you find yourself, but I'll well, mm. help you answer that question but you need to answer that question so i think that yeah. advice and and answers the two ways the things that sometimes people
0: and it's not often i think but there's mm.
1: ones that maybe people come to coaching with as misconceptions
0: yeah like they think that the coach is going to solve all my problems and because i had the coach and it's like your problem you need to find figure out the things coach is going to help you with your journey with your your way but they are not going to help you, like they are not going to do the work for you.
1: Yeah. And I think to add on to that, I also quite open that it. it's hard work. Uh-huh. And it's like going to the gym. Uh-huh. You know, if you want to get in physical shape, you can't wish it to be the case. You have to put in and the same with our lives. We have to put the work in to make that change. The type of client often that makes me the most nervous, I don't know if I should say this or not, the people that said, I've read 800 self help books. And I'm always like, okay, so you read all these self-help books. What have you done? Well, I read the book. I'd rather you just yeah. read one book and implement it rather than reading all of the books. It's you have to put the work in. You, if you do what you've always done, you get what you, you've always got. There's an old saying, and it's that you have to make some change somewhere. And I'll help mm. you decide how to make the change and how you can implement it. But ultimately, you've got to put the work in.
0: Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Okay, James, tell us what is the best possible way to reach out to you so that uh, people can find you and get in touch with you?
1: Yes, thank you. So, my website is the best way of getting in touch WMALifeCoaching.com. So, that's where you'll find out about me and my life coaching practice. I also have that podcast, as you mentioned at the start, on being good enough. And that talks through each episode is sort of a step of my process. So, that's a step by step guide to my process. And I'll be adding to that moving forward. So those are the two best ways of contacting me and listening to my method in more detail, how I work. And I'd love to hear from people, answer any questions,
0: make some appointments. I'd I'd love to do that. Wonderful. Guys, do make sure you follow James, wonderful person with great personality and great journey. And you can reach out to him according to your coaching needs. So that was today's episode of Sparking Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, James, for being on the show, and it was an honor to question you today. Mr. Yes, Thank you very much. Thank you for. Thanks again, James. So that said, I am your host, Subrat, signing off. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye, guys.